Welcome to Innovators Unleashed. Join your host, leadership expert, Clinton Henry, as he embarks on a journey through the realm of talent leadership, engaging with trailblazing thought leaders from around the world. Here's your host, Clinton Henry. Today, we're talking to Lamore Bergman-Gross. Lamore is a career mentor that specializes in mentoring women in the technology field. Prior to embarking on her career as a professional mentor, she spent over 20 years working in tech as an engineer, a manager, and a director of engineering. Lamore is an important voice for supporting women's career growth in the technology industry, and I'm grateful she was able to spend some time with me. Here's our conversation. So Lamore, I'm I'm so excited to have you here. You know, you talk a lot about you know, becoming a new leader. And one of the things that I've noticed leaders struggle with is the, you know, the ability to put down the screwdriver. Uh, When you're giving advice on young leaders and how to delegate, what are some tips that you share with them about transitioning from an individual contributor to a manager? Yeah, so that's a great question, Clinton. And uh, I always make the distinction between leadership and management because those are two different things and uh, a manager is not necessarily a good leader and a leader doesn't have to be a manager so typically i challenge my coaches to think at the next level whatever that may be whether it's an individual contributor role or a leadership role or management of some sort to think about the next level and what can they do today that demonstrate their ability to move up, to take a bigger responsibility. And that's the best way to be noticed, to be recognized and to be promoted. So always think about what's next. And if you're talking specifically from IC to a manager, then I would say, okay, how do you work with others? How do you influence other, right? Because ICs tend to, okay, they focus on the work that they do rather than how they make an impact on a larger, you know, or a group of people. So it's always about how do you help others? How do you work with others? How do you communicate? How do you influence and develop those kind of skills? I see. So as a manager, because I, I love that you differentiate between a leadership leader and a manager, right? Because we've all had managers that are not great leaders and vice versa, people who you want to follow who might be an individual contributor. As a manager, how do you determine what you should delegate versus do yourself? This is like, you cannot believe, Clinton, how this question arises every single time, right? I mean, especially for new managers. What do I delegate? Because the tendency, the natural tendency for us is to do everything we used to do up until the, the next level and then some, right? And add more. And that obviously leads to not doing a good job as a manager, to burning out and having your team super frustrated and feel that they are not trusted. So usually I ask questions about what are the things that you feel you makes a greater impact like what are the things that if you do them are making the the greatest impact versus what are the things that you do that someone else can do maybe sometimes even better than you and this is by the way another challenge of becoming a manager 
that some people are better than you <laughs> and 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 they may be better than you at the individual contributor role and and that's usually intimidating to managers like oh if i delegate i'm not needed because this person is doing even a better job than i am that's so true the the idea the question of if you're saying yes to this what are you saying no to it's yeah. a really important one because as a manager i can do everything but if i do everything i'm not going to be able to do probably something more strategic so the ability to kind of hand that off is very important i think it's a very very succinct way of putting it so thank you for that you know in, in a world where obviously remote work you know i'm talking to you from my home office i think you're talking to me from your home office yeah uh everyone is working from home or, or a lot of people are working from home um as this becomes more common to manage teams that are working from home what are some tips to do that effectively it's all about building connections one of the things that and i'm all i love working from home i love the benefits that remote work and the flexibility that it allows i've been doing that since 2016. however it does bring challenges and it's mostly about communication and creating connection we are people <laughs> and when you work with people in that office maybe you don't think about it but you have opportunities to connect whether it's meeting you know for coffee in the morning you know and chit-chatting or just walking down the corridors and and stopping for a few you know hi how are you and stuff like that you don't have that when you work virtually and you find yourself especially as a manager like jumping from one meeting to another one after the other talking all about work stuff and not connecting with people you work with and it makes it even more difficult when you actually hire those people and you never knew them right i mean there's a distinction be be between people you already know and you used to work in an office setting and now everyone is remote but you still you know them and they know you yeah. versus someone that from day one was hired as a remote employee or you know and you didn't have a chance to get to know them and how do you build connection and i recommend doing different different things so allocating time for checking in and uh, trying to do some team kind of uh, happy hour or or different setups that are not just work related so if you mm -hmm. can't meet face to face i always recommend if you can invest the money and meet occasionally face to face and do some fun stuff but if you cannot then try to do it virtually try to make some something you know unofficial that allows people to connect because when you have conflicts uh, or any challenges and you don't know the person you can assume different things when you know someone is a good person and you like them even if you have the conflict you 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 tend to be kind of okay i have a conflict with this person but I, but i like them i respect them i know them but if you don't know the person that well that can lead to a lot of frustrations to not working very effectively together yeah it's it's so interesting that you you talk about conflict resolution it's a big challenge you know for remote work because we are pattern seeking creatures and when there is no pattern we will assume sometimes the wrong yeah. thing right and so I think it's really important. So thank you for that. When, you know, let's say you're, you're, let's say you're you moved into manage, management. And a lot of times 
we have the opportunity to kind of rearrange our organizations or our little fiefdoms. I, I had this a couple of times as as executive leadership to kind of at a two hundred person organization, and it was I had, I had twenty direct reports. I mean, I should I should retool this and re make this a little bit more sane for me to to work operate with, right? Do you have any advice or important things to consider when you're trying to restructure an organization as a manager? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously every situation is different, but as you said, like if you if you manage 20 people, that's not a good thing. I mean, that's too many. Uh, like a rule of thumb for me would be not managing more than eight to 10 people maximum directly. Um, even fewer is, is, is better. Uh, so you, you need to take different things into account. It could be areas of expertise. It could be personalities. It could be, by the way, a combination. Um, depending how the organization operates, if it's like, for example, like in engineering, it could be, could be vertically organized or horizontally. It can be organized per project or can be uh, organized per expertise, like front-end, back-end, database, whatever. I mean, and, and each of them have pros and cons. You need to see what works best. Sometimes you try. And if it doesn't work, you change. But but taking into account personalities is also very important. Like I remember one of the companies that they started as a manager, like the team knew each other for a long time. And it was a big, it was like 25 people from day one. And, and I had one manager reporting to me. So we're two managers for 25 people. And one of the things I noticed immediately that the manager that reported to me did not get along say the least with one of the engineers so like I, I i noticed those things immediately like the people that had like conflict of i would say uh conflict of values like they were very different and mm -hmm. they didn't get along very well so i separated because i don't think you should force people to work together i mean unless you don't have any other choice that may, maybe they're not the best match right so that's another thing you need to take into account not just you know the business outcomes. That's uh, it's a it's a very smart way of looking at it. When you uh, as as a manager have performance issues with your teams, do, do you have specific strategies or approaches you take to to address those performance issues? And taking into account potentially dumping remote versus an in person. So it starts with setting clear expectations. Usually, what happens, especially when you work remote. Everyone makes a different assumption. Uh, what you assume need to be happen, need to happen, not necessarily was understood correctly by the other side. So you need to make extra effort to make sure that everyone is on the same page, like every person that works with you, understand exactly what you what you expect from them. What are the outcomes? If you need, communicate in verbal. Sometimes it 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 takes a more deliberate effort to communicate not just in meetings, but in writings as well, writing or videos or what have you, to make sure that everyone is on the same page. A lot of times a strategy that I was taking was writing down what I understood, sending it for review. So that's the first thing. You need to make sure expectation is met. The second thing is feedback should be timely, right? Small to big, good to bad. You should one of the things I don't like in companies, and I understand it need to be some kind of process, but the annual performance reviews. I never liked it. I think it's not a good practice, mm -hmm. but 
but it's just, you know, think about it. How many times it happened to you that your manager gave you feedback, like an annual review, and you find out all of a sudden something that you didn't know about. You don't want that to happen. The feedback yeah, should be timely. Yeah, there should be no surprises in your annual performance review. Like exactly. that, that's the worst experience. What do you mean? Like that, we could have talked exactly. about this four months ago. We talk every exactly. we check-ins every week or every other week. Why would why did this come up then? So that that's 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 a very yeah. important. Um, but even if you give timely feedback, a lot of mm -hmm. times you will you will get rejections. Like maybe the other side do not agree with you, or uh, maybe they're trying to. A, a lot of times they will try to um, be defensive. Usually it comes with confidence issues or what have you. And if mm -hmm. someone is trying to to behave that way, right? They, they reject the feedback that you provide. They become defensive that sometimes you need to ask them, how do they see things? What do they suggest? You know, what, why is it not, why is it that? They need sometimes to justify to you why, why uh, things are working. Like if someone is not performing on time, uh, why? Why is it taking so long? Maybe they're too busy. Maybe they have other stuff. Maybe they don't need, they don't know how to manage their time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, again, we make a lot of assumptions, right? Oh, this person is very bad. They are very slow. But sometimes it's about, oh, they lack some skills that you can help them develop. Maybe they lack some tools. Maybe they are too shy to ask for help. You need to identify a lot of time to be curious and, and identify why. So th this is actually a really important point because I talk to a lot of managers who say, I gave that individual feedback and they disagreed with the feedback or they did not correct the behavior that I said, uh, that I talked about. And there's all these techniques out there, right? Positivity sandwich, where you say something <laughs> positive and then the criticism and then another thing positive. And all they heard was the positive. Or and we have other people that you say 10 compliments and one piece of criticism and all they hear is the piece of criticism. So I think the idea of asking them what they think and their viewpoint is a really important idea because you're 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 basically putting putting the onus on them to be an advocate or to, to give you more perspective, right? Because we know what we think as as a manager, but maybe maybe we'll get more information by asking them why or how something happened versus just assuming. Exactly, and. Uh... A practice that companies, I think many companies now uh, now do is self-reflection, right? I mean, they ask the employee to, to first uh, write their own, right? The accomplishments and, and plans and all that. And it's actually, I like that practice because it allows you to first see what your team member thinks, how they see things from their side, and then identify if there are gaps. If someone thinks, that they behave like their performance is superb and you think they are underperforming then i you know you see very quickly that there is a gap and now you need to understand why why there is a gap what's your responsibility right i mean maybe you mm -hmm. didn't set the right expectations with them and how can you help and and if nothing come you know eventually after everything you try to do then you you sometimes you have to just part ways but yeah. first you need to take responsibility as a manager and make sure that you do everything you can to support that person completely agree that's great um when you talk you talk a little bit about branding and i think one of the challenges that and we're speaking specifically about engineers here but i guess we can go 
big picture, there are a lot of introverts in engineering, right? There are a ton of them. And uh, I, I self-define as an introvert with extrovert-like tendencies, but mainly an introvert, right? Go to a party and then I want to like go in my cave for a little while and just, de you know, decompress. Uh, are there, is, is there advice for introverts on how to network and build their brand within an organization? Yeah, I mean, I consider myself an introvert as well, but I evolved. I'm <laughs> right. I mean, I worked on, on things that I felt I needed to in order to advance my careers. I think, and, and I told it a lot of times to people that reported to me that were very, very introverted and that eventually it hurts them. You know, I even had a case when I, I tried to promote someone to a very senior role uh, in engineering and I got pushbacks from other, you know, uh, peers, from my peers. I don't know that person. How do you suggest to promote? So they need first to understand why. Why is it important for them? Because we don't want to change anyone, right? I mean, I really believe in strength-based leadership, right? I mean, identify strength and, and utilize them as much as possible. So if someone is super introverted, but they are doing a very good job, you don't want to change them. Right. But they need to understand how their behavior eventually can hinder their career progression. And what can they do that fits who they are as much as possible to externalize what they do it could be maybe if someone is very very uncomfortable with uh you know presenting maybe sending emails maybe i don't know creating pre-recorded videos maybe created conference pages and uh, maybe one-on-one -on -one mentoring yeah. they need to find the right ways for them and as a manager you need to help them and maybe show possibilities, open their eyes, right? One of the things I do uh, with my coaching clients, a lot of times it's just opening their eyes to possibilities. They think there's only one way you can brand yourself. I have to go on the company all hands and present something. Well, it's one way, can be very effective, but it's not the only way. You can take other routes and find the routes that are right to you, but make yourself always a little bit uncomfortable otherwise you can't grow so even introverts sometimes need to do something that feels a little bit uncomfortable to them oh absolutely that's great um one of the uh you talk a little bit about linkedin and i think it's very powerful for building your your personal and even your your your, your corporate brand on uh, on the platform do you have any tips for people trying to leverage linkedin to build their brand First of all, be there. I mean, you cannot believe how many engineers I had that rejected having a profile on LinkedIn. It sounds kind of weird, but there's like a lot of them said, no, I'm not going to have a profile. So first of all, you have to be there. Otherwise, you don't exist. And that's not a the, uh, the place to be modest. And this is one of the challenges I have mostly with women that I'm coaching, that they are very modest. They feel uncomfortable. They see it as bragging, right? If they mm -hmm. highlight who they are, what are their achievements? You need to be <laughs> considering LinkedIn as your marketing collateral, and you need to act as a marketing person. If it's hard for you, maybe ask someone else to reflect to you what they see in you and help you come up with the things that you have achieved and done above and beyond. So that's the first thing you need to present yourself Mm -hmm. In a way that someone after five, six seconds can know who you are. 
take into account people don't spend more than a few seconds on your profile. So you need to be utilizing picture, background picture, headline, about section that will strongly present you as what you want to be presented by. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Yeah, the, the being your, you, you are your own best advocate, right? Yeah. And um, if you're uncomfortable writing your LinkedIn profile, there are services out there, there are coaches that can help you write it. You can probably even leverage ChatGPT to write it for oh you. Oh my God, I leverage it all the time, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> oh, me too. Uh, I had a, just a really random funny story. I had this announcement that I had to make and I had to write a company-wide email and I had like 15 minutes. And I'm like, and I have a degree in English literature, I can write, but not in 15 minutes where it's gonna be spell check. Cause I, you know, I confuse Word, Microsoft Word with my attempted spelling sometimes. So it's not that good. Uh, and uh, and I leveraged ChatGPT to like get me a rough, like I gotta make a, this announcement for this thing, this org. And it spit out something that I was like, I got a lot of compliments on it. I was like, no, that's great. I'm like, what? So yeah, I think if you're not comfortable doing it, Leverage the technology out there. I mean, we're all engineers. We can think and write. Uh, if, you, if you can write code or think about uh, an engineering di or Visio diagram, you can definitely write a, a, an eloquent chat GPT prompt to, to kind of do the heavy lifting for you. So I, I totally agree. Be your, be your own advocate and, and, you know, get out there on LinkedIn. It's so stunning that people don't have profiles or uh, at all, or they don't have a picture. It's like the, the last stuff yeah. was five years ago. And it's like, just put your certifications and what you've been doing. And it's uh, it's a very powerful tool. I agree. And uh, utilizing ChatGPT is great, but you need to feed it with the right information, right? I mean, it can't, ChatGPT doesn't know you. And yeah. you need to feed it with the right information and then ask ChatGPT to create a content for you. And it's a great tool. I utilize it all the time. Yeah, no, agreed. And, and on the LinkedIn piece, definitely putting like, some people use it more like it's like a Facebook with like their dogs and stuff. Um, and I, it is a professional tool. I think that the nice thing about it is not only does it, it's not just a job hunting tool. A lot of people think, oh, I'm, they're on LinkedIn a lot. They're looking for a new job. If you're in a large organization with thousands of people, the most people looking at your profile are people that work with you, you know, probably two, two, you know, two individuals removed. And they're just trying to figure out who you are and what your role is within the, within the organization. So it's it's how you communicate internally as well as externally in an organization. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you. Well, this was uh, very insightful, very helpful. Uh, I'm going to put your website in the show notes. I would highly recommend anybody out there. I know you work with both men and women, but you're, I know your passion is helping women, um, you know, climb the ladder and move to the next step in their career. Um, so uh, I would highly encourage them to do that. But, but thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Clinton. It's been a pleasure. That's it for today's episode of Innovators Unleashed. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and share the podcast with others. Follow your host on social media at The Clinton Henry or visit him on the web at www.clintonhenry.com. Until next time.